Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. I'm your host, Ken Gagney. This week on Indie Cider... I wasn't being bullied anymore after school, but the scars, like the, the pain, even if you move on in life, it sort of stays there with you, right? That's Ruben Ferris, creative director at Minority Media, developers of one of the games that I always point people to as an example of the sort of meaning and substance that video games are capable of. Games like Halo and Grand Theft Auto are a lot of fun and get a lot of media attention, but I think a game that really demonstrates the potential for the medium is Popo and Yo, a PlayStation 3 game where you are running around in a 3D world with a monster who can help you. He is much bigger than you and he can beat up the enemies and lift you up to higher places. But scattered throughout the game are various power-ups that if the monster eats, he becomes a true monster, almost like the Incredible Hulk when Bruce Banner gets mad. He will go on a rampage and attack and assault anything in his way, including you, who up until just a moment ago was his friend. This game was the developer's metaphor for growing up with an alcoholic, abusive father. And when you look at the game in that context, it takes on an entirely new meaning. That game originally released for PlayStation 3 two years ago, and is now available for OS X, Linux, and Windows as well. And the developer has now released their latest game, which is the subject of this week's episode of the podcast, that being Spirits of Spring, formerly known as Silent Enemy, the name it was known by while still in development for almost the past year or two. Trailers for this game originally popped up in early 2013, and here we are in October 2014, it's finally been released for iOS. Spirits of Spring continues the developer's trend of using games as a metaphor for dealing with difficult life situations. In this case, it's bullying. This game is set in the far northern reaches of Canada, where you play as an indigenous individual who lives in a climate that is cold yet livable throughout the spring. However, the spring is maintained by a variety of spirit trees throughout the land that keep it warm and green and lush. And these trees are being attacked by crows. The crows swoop in and they'll beat you up and your friend, bear and rabbit, and they take away the spirit and leave you in a land of eternal winter. And your job is to restore spring to the land and also keep your friends safe and keep yourself safe. Now, your main character is the human, and he's a little bit clumsy, so he doesn't have the highest opinion of himself as he trips over stuff and drops things. And that sometimes impacts your gameplay as you're trying to move from one spot to the other. If there's a tree laying down on the ground, you may stumble over it, and there's really no way to avoid it. And I think that's intended to make the game relatable to young people who may be subjected to bullying. They're probably not the star athletes on the football or soccer or street hockey teams. They're probably not that coordinated, although you would think that gamers are coordinated, so people who are playing this game probably are pretty coordinated, but maybe not in the way that grade schoolers appreciate. If it sounds like I'm speaking from experience, I am. I was bullied in grade school. I went to a private school with a very small graduating class of about 19 individuals, 10 boys, 9 girls, and there was absolutely nowhere for a non-athlete to hide, so I retreated into my books, into my video games, and that just made things worse. I never went home with like a black eye or a bloody nose or anything like that. I was constantly bereft of my glasses. I was one of the few people in the class who needed glasses, and they thought it was hilarious to play keep away with those. And this is something that the developers are trying to convey in this game, because they, if you watch the trailer video, they demonstrate that they all grew up with similar experiences as well. Anyway, more about the game. It's played from a top-down perspective, sort of a three-quarters perspective and you are moving throughout the land, and it's pretty much railroaded. You can't walk through a grove of trees, 
and you can't walk on the water so if you see any of those obstacles you just have to keep following the path of the land and just tap the area on the on the screen that you want the character to walk to and he'll make a beeline for that so if there's something in the way you sort of need to navigate up and around it first and you'll also encounter various spirits these spirits start following you and become your spirit tail that you can then extend out from yourself to manipulate the environment if you come to a bank of the river you can extend your spirit across the bank and make a temporary bridge that you can cross assuming you have enough spirits to extend across that length of bank. If it's a very wide river, you'll need to go find more spirits first. You can also push over trees to make permanent bridges or ramps, and certain situations that the game dictates, you can switch control to your bear or rabbit friend. The bear, of course, is much stronger and can push over larger things, and the rabbit is small and fast and can duck into rabbit holes that lead out to areas that the human would not be able to access. Of course, all this might be for naught as you encounter the crows, who will just take away whatever you've gathered throughout that level. There are other characters you'll encounter, like a fox and a lemming, who may or may not help you or may have their own missions in mind. And you'll have to decide if they are genuinely offering to help you or if they have their own agendas. Are they really on your side or not? So it's a lot of schoolyard politics that you may be familiar with. It's a very pretty game and has a lovely soundtrack. There are no battle mechanics that I've encountered. It's mostly an exploring the land and solving small puzzles sort of game to try to figure out how to get from point A to point Z. But it might be just the kind of game that kids need because if they can stick with it and it's about a two-hour game, they might encounter some scenarios that they are familiar with and learn a little bit more about how to deal with it or at least see that other people are dealing with it too and they're not alone. And maybe they can get their parents to play and say, hey, this kind of reminds me of what I'm going through. Or maybe the parent will want to give it to the kid and say, this reminds me of what you're going through, and I want you to know you're not alone. That sort of dialogue, I think, is the real benefit that a game like this can have. If you want to see the game being played, go to IndieCider.net slash YouTube, and you can watch a video of me playing the game paired with the developer interview you're about to hear. The game itself can be found at WeAreMinority.com. It is currently available for iOS only. Both Android and PC versions are being considered. Back when the game was originally announced, it was also going to be for Ouya. That's apparently been canned for now. Perhaps it'll arrive later. But in the meantime, you can find it in the iOS store. There will be a link in the show notes. If you want to find those notes, you can go to IndieCider.net. And while you're there, send feedback by clicking on the contact form or email us at feedback at IndieCider.net. In the meantime, here's this week's interview. Joining me today to speak about Spirits of Spring for iOS is Mr. Ruben Ferris, creative director on this game for Minority Media, all the way from Montreal, Quebec. Hello, Ruben. Hey, Ken. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. And how are you? Good, good. Excited to, to be here. I know. This game has been a long time in coming. It was first announced about a year and a half ago. Yes. It's been long. It's been long, but uh, it's been worth it. Yeah. How's it feel to finally get your game out into the world? I'm actually very happy. Because uh, we, we finished uh, a couple months ago, and I was sort of in a personally, I was sort of in a like a, a emotional limbo. The, the game was done, but I wanted to see it out there, and now I'm very happy that it's out there, and I can start reading like what people think and and so on. It's it's a lot of fun. This game is being advertised as a anti-bullying game or a game to help young children cope and deal with bullying. So who would you say is your target audience as far as age or demographics? For me, yeah, clearly, like, I, I want this game to be played by kids that 
maybe they don't necessarily are in in the middle of like you know they're not teenagers that in the middle of like the like the the worst part of that, that age where like uh, bullying can be pretty bad for some people but also like for kids that sort of like start feeling that something is changing you know you know when you go into like uh, those years I don't know. I, I think you start feeling like all the kids, they act in a different way. Sometimes like they're doing like mean remarks and sort of like for them to get a, a sense of what the situation is going to be. Also, I think it's a, it's a very interesting game for parents that have kids that are going through that, uh, that sort of, uh, that sort of situations. I think it's a, it acts a bit like a common ground for both parents and kids to to talk about the problem, you know? I think that's a great point because people might ask or they might see this as a game for kids and think it's not for them. But I know that when I was being bullied, probably around 12 years of age, my parents had no comprehension of what I was going through. Same here. Yeah. I never, I never talked with my parents about it. And uh, when you put something there that acts as a common ground i think can be a good way to start a conversation a healthy conversation exactly it gives them something in common that they can share and talk about yes it's you know it starts the discussion okay. yeah that's it, it's very important that that happens it's, it's still to this day some sort of a, a taboo the fact that you're being bullied is a, is a painful experience and like uh, as, as kids we don't want to talk about it this is so, somehow shameful and so if this can help a bit to sort of like start a conversation, then they'll be good. Yeah, it seems like bullying is more in the public light nowadays. It's something that schools and administrations and parents are more willing to talk about. But you're right that it's still very challenging for a child to admit that, you know, they are being subjected to this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I, I don't know, it's a, it's a feeling of, uh, it's a bit of feeling of, of shame that you have or... That, that I felt uh, when that happened to me. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, on the other hand, what I also wanted to do is, is a game that it's about, it's about bullying. What's, it's about what's to be bullied and what's the phenomenon and all the like, uh, points of view. But I didn't want to make a game that like people that they don't know about this game, they, they, I want them to realize that it was about something deeper. I didn't want to make a game that was just about bullying. I wanted to make a game that's the story, and because you care about these characters and the story, I, I wanted to make a beautiful game with a beautiful universe, with characters that that you care about. And through that, when you started caring about these things, then be able to start talking about what's to be bullied and what's uh, what are the components of, of, of bullying and like who are the actors, you know, the victims, the bystanders, the bullies, and like that not everything is, you know, black or white, that it's, it's, it's a complex problem. But for me, it was very important. There was this, this beautiful universe, these beautiful characters that you care about in order to talk about that, you know? Right, because if the game was obviously about bullying with no metaphor, then it might be a little too heavy-handed for people who are already dealing with this every day at school or at home to then go play a game that's about it as well. Exactly. You said it right. That's exactly what I wanted to say. 
So you want this to be a game that has characters that people relate to, but it's set in far northern Canada, and I imagine there probably aren't a lot of gamers up there. So, so why that particular setting? The setting in, uh, in storytelling serves a, a, a clear function. Uh, stories and games, what they do is they take you very far away so then they can talk about that's very close to you. Because the, the function of the setting is like to sort of like make you, for a second, make you forget about your life. You're going this, this magical adventure and, uh, you're gonna encounter this, these, these challenges. But then if they talk about that something close to your heart, then, then they, you, you remember that your whole life. When, uh, when we started to make this game, one of the partners of minority, Ernest, he's, he's a, he's a Cree Aboriginal from North Quebec, like 10 hours north of Montreal. And, uh, we were considering different, different themes. And I was like, uh, thinking what was the core, the core of this game. And, uh, one of the things I was thinking about is like, uh, it was bullying. It's like this experience of being bullied and, 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 and surviving that. And I started talking with everyone here in the office. And when I was talking about that, people would like really automatically react. They had been bullied too. Now they had kids that, that, that were worried about them. And when I went and see Ernest, the, 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 the partner of, of minority, uh, I told him my stories like, look, I'm, I'm, you know, we want to make this game and, uh, and, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, I had this story and so on. And, and he, he was, he was so surprised. Like, uh, he, he had gone through the same exactly thing. And, uh, him being from North Canada, like, uh, far North Canada and me being from Spain originally. So, and then we realized that this was sort of a, an, a universal story that happens to everyone. But he had, he came from this culture that is unique and is like, is not, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost mystical too. And I thought that that was a, a, an excellent setting to like talk about a difficult problem. You know, they have a lot of legends about animals, how they communicate with animals, how to, they relate to nature. And I found a lot of, uh, opportunities there to like create something magical and something almost like, a almost like uh, lost and uh, and use it to like talk about something that's very close to everyone at the same time. You mentioned how you both were able to empathize over this experience of bullying and I saw the teaser video for this game that came out about a year ago in which the various members of the minority team held up placards saying that mm -hmm. they had been bullied. Mm -hmm. Do you think that bullying is more commonplace among gamers? Is this sort of an epidemic among our group? Gamers, when we are in school, or gamers after, we'll, after, after school, as we grow older. When I was a little kid, one of the reasons I was bullied was because I liked video games. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and uh, maybe that was sort of a self-perpetuating cycle where I would get bullied at school so I'd escape into a video game where I could be safe and powerful, and then that gave them something to bully me about. Yes. Well, yeah, definitely when, when we like video games as kids, we like them because we, we, like we experience this, this 
these magical adventures and sort of like they, they, they take us uh, to this magical place. And when we have problems in real life, it's, it's normal to, to go back to that place that's safe. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's nothing like the problems that we have in real life. Yeah. I think there is, there is, there is a connection there. I, I think, I think a lot of like non-gamers, they suffer bullying as well. They just deal with it in a different way. We'll go back to games, but other people, they'll, they'll deal it in a, in a very different way. For me, what, what's important, I made my game from um, this game for myself too, because bullying for me didn't finish when I finished school. Bullying wasn't happening. I wasn't being bullied anymore after school, but the scars, like the, the pain, even if you move on in life, it sort of stays there with you, right? Even for people that, that, that's not experiencing bullying anymore, I wanted to make also a game for them for like, and in me, in making this game, I was sort of healing myself. It was like my sort of a therapy as well, you know? Right, right. Now, at one point, this game was going to be called Silent Enemy. Why did the name change to Spirits of Spring? We like we had this game like uh, as I mentioned before when uh, when I started making this game uh, I was considering different 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 stories different points of view at some point I started working with this setting of the the Cree culture and uh, there was a lot of emphasis on surviving on uh, on uh, it's very harsh winters up there. And uh, they have this expression that they call they call the the silent enemy is starvation is the is danger of of starvation up north, and that's sort of like the first name that we got for the game. But as we as as then we started like digging deeper, like the the the, the theme of bullying, and this game started being more about bullying and surviving bullying. This is it was still about surviving, but the name wasn't really reflecting the sort of like uh, hope and sort of like the positive message that I wanted to give at the end. Uh, so we changed the name to something that was more whimsical, more magical. I think you made the right choice. I think it's a much better name. <laughs> Thank you. When the game was first announced under the name Silent Enemy, it was also announced as being released for Ouya. Now it's come out for iOS, and I see that Android and PC versions are under consideration. Yes. Uh, which platforms do you think will come next? PC, Android, Ouya? Uh, so we 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 still have to to consider what's what's coming next for it. We start, we launched uh, last Thursday, so it's still very early. We want to see how how people react. Uh, who wants to see this game in their platform, and then we'll make a decision. Okay. This game comes from the same studio that made Papo and Yo, which was a metaphor for dealing with an alcoholic, abusive father. Uh, Do you think this is becoming sort of your studio's niche of using video games as metaphors to deal with difficult subjects? Is this going to be what your future games will be like as well? We really like... This this sort of stuff that's that's obvious. Uh, at the same time, we we exploring other types of experiences that I'm not ready to to disclose right now. But I think the the, the core whatever whatever the next game is, the core is that we believe that games have to be more human. 
it's all about what is the human experience and the human condition. Like if you if you look at great books and great movies, they all they all touch us because they're talking about what's to be us and what's our our problem. So like regardless of whatever it's the next game, there's always we always keep thinking what's the human story in this. What's the what's the emotion that's gonna stay with the players after they finish the game? At the opposite end of the spectrum from Spirits of Spring is a Rockstar game that came out eight years ago called Bully. Have you played Bully? Yes, I played a long time ago. I played. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very different kind of game and probably doesn't try to have the same sort of social message as your game. Do you think that video games have a responsibility to be the sort of meaningful, touching experiences you describe, or is there room in video gaming for games like Bully? Well, that's that's a very big question and a very important one. And there's been a lot of debate lately about that. And I feel that... Sometimes we feel threatened if like, uh, by people that say that games have to be some, can be something else than what we had for the last 30 years. I think there's a place for both. I think that, like we obviously very good at creating like fun video games that are good to disconnect from real life. And they're like, they're basically awesome to play at the same time. I think we have also a responsibility to explore what the medium can do, you know? Uh, this, this medium of video games of like virtual simulations is, is absolutely something groundbreaking that, that there's nothing like this before. And, and we have a responsibility to see what we can do with it. And it's a perfect platform to talk about what, what's to be us, you know, what's to be, what's to be human, what the, the sort of problems that we live in our life. And before in movies and books, they sort of like, they will tell you what, what that was. But now with video games, you can actually uh, experience it and empathize with like different points of views because you're there and interactively you're understanding What's the situation? I think that's wonderful. I think it's a, it's an a, a uncharted territory that will be ashamed to just dismiss it because, you know, because it's not light and it's not just, just for fun. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's an excellent answer. You have obviously given this a lot of thought and I'm not surprised given the kinds of games that your studio creates and I'm encouraged to see the medium maturing through the works of products such as Silent Spring, uh, such as, <laughs> now you we all mixed up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Spirits of Spring. Spirits of Spring, thank you. Yeah, I think, I think there's actually more and more people that they, 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 uh, they hoping to, for that to, those sort of products to, to come along. Look, I'm, now I'm, I'm, I'm 31 years old. I think a lot of gamers, uh, you know, we grew up with games. We played games our whole life. Now we're reaching that age, 30, 35, 40. And look, life sometimes will hit you in the face, you know? And, and sometimes, you know, we, we, we go to movies, we read books, we listen to our friends' stories to deal with those punches. Why there is no video games that uh, will help us deal with those punches? 
And people, now they're getting to that age and people want those sort of experiences. Certainly you're hoping that people will have that experience with your game, but that mm -hmm. may not necessarily be experiences that you get to hear about. People might not be writing to you and saying, hey, I'm no longer being bullied, or hey, I, I now know how to deal with bullying. Hmm. You know, The most obvious metric to define a game success is how many units it sells. Yeah. So how will you be defining success for your game? I think success for for our game would be what happened with with Papo. Like with Papo, after a few weeks that the game was released, and even like it still happens. Like we started getting mail from from fans that played the game and what they felt and how like how the game touched touch them and, and, and helped them. And like, that's something that we, we come from, we've worked in uh, many different studios here in Montreal and, and elsewhere and, and big companies. And we never got that sort of personal reaction. For me, my, my, my way to see if like uh, Spirits of Spring will be successful is that if we get that sort of personal responses and, uh, that that'll be that'll be my yeah my way to know that that we did a good job. Excellent. Well, by whatever metric you define, I hope that this game is a success. Do you have any parting shots you want to leave before we wrap up? No, I'm very happy the game is out there. I want I want people to play it to play it till the end. I, I it's a, it's a, it's not a, a, a your typical game. So I want see I want see people's reactions. And people's interpretations of what we were trying to say, and I hope they'll uh, they'll play it, they'll like it, and yeah, I hope to hear from from them. Great. Well, I hope so too. Thank you so much for your time, Ruben. Thank you, Ken. Right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. This has been Indie Cider, a Game Bits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at indiecider.net.